Welcome to the Building a Story Brand podcast, where we believe if you confuse, you'll lose. Noise is the enemy, and creating a clear message is the best way to grow your business. I'm your host, Donald Miller. I'm joined by my co-hosts, one, Dr. J.J. Peterson. Hello, Don. And Kula Callahan. Hey, yo. Kula, are you a doctor or not? I can't remember. Halfway. Okay. I'm halfway there. <laughs> so I just have the D period in front of my name. <laughs> you know, really, if you put the three of us in a lineup and said, which two of these have a PhD, it would be you and me. 100%. <laughs> That's the confusing no thing question. about the whole no situation. <laughs> well, I went away to Finland uh-huh. to speak. And you guys decided to interview each other for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, but JJ dove into the practice of narrative-based marketing, which is what we teach at our story brand workshops, right? The power of storytelling, why it's so effective to communicate through that lens, and not just why it's so effective, but what it actually does to the human brain to transport people into the story that you're actually telling. Practically, though, if I'm running a business, mm-hmm. pitch me. Because the big part of your dissertation, what made them pass it was you proving that this actually works. Yeah. What it really looked at is one, does using narrative in your marketing work? And yes, the answer is yes to that. But then the next thing was, what does it improve? And I looked at it actually saves you money, saves you time in creating, it increases satisfaction of your employees, makes greater connection. And then kind of the third thing I wanted to know was, does it make a difference if you are a small business, big business? What is a variable that might change the effectiveness of using narrative marketing? And basically it came down to, I tested everything and Every single type of company that uses narrative marketing has the ability to improve all of those things I just mentioned. I was just at a lunch with a, I'm not going to say their name, but it's a global company. Yeah. And he's the CEO of the global company. In fact, I was watching a soccer match in Italy and they had sponsored the match. (laughs) You know, so they're all over. And they don't do this. To the degree they don't do this, they suffer. And it was really helpful for him to figure out what was going on. Another thing that's important, JJ, and we joke with each other a lot, but your dissertation is actually extremely important. And one of the reasons it's important is because the academic community isn't getting this. Mm -hmm. You know, if you go into the marketing programs, MBA programs all over the country, they're not getting this. Yeah. Because of that, they're producing students who are deficient to go into corporate America and actually grow the corporate interests of the people who are going to be paying them. Yeah. And so... This is important just so that academics understand this needs to be taught. It needs to be taught in every MBA program, every marketing program in the country. I think you got to learn it in high school. I mean, I really do. I obviously have a dog in this race, yeah. but <laughs> you know, I, I just believe it's true. What will be so powerful in this conversation for the small business owners that listen to the podcast is that it introduces a significant paradigm shift. And the paradigm shift is this. You're talking about what you sell in terms of data and facts And you need to be talking about what you sell in terms of the story that you're trying to invite people into. A lot of people in marketing and especially in sales, they have to become product experts. And so their tendency is to just sell their product or service or, you know, if you're a nonprofit, to invite donors into your story based on the data and the facts. But what your dissertation proves is that if you use narrative as opposed to data and facts – interest actually increases. Yeah, and it's not replacing data and facts. Totally. Those are still important. They have to fit but inside it, they have the narrative. Yeah, sit in, fit inside yeah. a narrative. Data without a narrative context is, is random numbers yep. thrown against the wall. So, Well, in all honesty, I think it's going to be a fascinating conversation. And so uh, congratulations on you guys talking to each other. Here is this uh, episode <laughs> of the Building a Story Brand podcast. JJ Talks to Kula. Dr. J.J. Peterson. Hi, Kula. Hello. 
Well, as you know, if you're listening to the podcast, JJ is a doctor. He got his PhD in communication theory. And basically what we're going to do today on our conversation is we're going to pull back the curtain on why story-based marketing works better than any other form of marketing yeah. that exists. Yeah. And your dissertation did a very deep dive into yes. <laughs> story-based marketing, why it's so effective, these principles that have been around for hundreds and hundreds of years, how they are still working in the current market and what you can do as a business owner to implement some of these tactics. So yeah. the people have been begging for <laughs> the secret sauce um, and been begging for sort of an inside view at your dissertation. So because they have been begging, we will uh -huh. give them what they want. It is kind of funny when people write in and say, can I read your dissertation? I'm like, Re really? <laughs> I mean, it's a very, I can get very nerdy about this stuff. So just buckle up. Awesome. Okay. So what I want to do first is from a very high level, yeah. just recap the StoryBrand seven-part framework. Because if you're listening to the podcast, you're probably familiar with it. You might have read the book. Uh, but for those who might not be as familiar with the StoryBrand messaging filter, the yeah. seven-part framework that we use to teach people how to communicate... Will you walk us through, again, from a very high level, those yeah. seven parts of the framework? Yeah, so even the seven parts are all based on story, on screenwriting, on ancient story practices, all the way back to like Aristotle and mm -hmm. how mm -hmm. how story works and that it has to be formulaic. It really, all stories are very formulaic. Right. And there's a reason, and we'll kind of get into some of that in a little bit, but basically the story brand framework pulls seven parts of every good story and says there are seven main points that have to occur in every story plot for a story to make sense and for a story to be compelling. Mm -hmm. And those are that first you have to understand who a character is, who is the main character of the story. And in the story brand framework, this character is your customer. Right. And then all good stories really get going and get started when there is a problem. Mm -hmm. So a character encounters a problem and then meets a guide. And in the story brand framework, the guide is the business. So right. we are the guide to our customer's hero journey. Mm -hmm. And then the guide gives the hero a plan that ultimately calls them to action. And there has to be stakes in the story. So the story has to result in something either if they don't follow the plan, there's failure, or if they do follow the plan and everything's great and there's success. So character, problem, guide, plan, call to action, success, and failure. And those are the seven basically distilled plot points yeah. because if we were looking at screenwriting, right, there'd be 35. 30 some, yeah, right. 36, depending on the story you're writing for sure. Yeah. Right, but the basics of the framework is taking into account all of these different story formulas and story theories and boiling it down to the seven main plot points of yep. every good story. Yep. So for those of you that might be new around here, that's the StoryBrand seven-part framework. That is the filter that we use to communicate. And, you know, whenever we decide to uh, create a new product or, mm -hmm. or you know, wireframe a new website or create a launch plan for something, we filter everything through these seven points. And when you filter your communication through this story framework, what comes out, the output of that is something that is clear. It's a story that people respond to, and it's one that will help you communicate what you want to communicate in a way that motivates people to take action. 
So the whole premise, like first even going back before you break down the seven points, really all of this is based in that story is powerful and story is compelling. Right. And that you can go all the way back to Aristotle. So Aristotle would argue that the best way to teach, Mm -hmm. even to ultimately change people's ideas and change culture is through story. And he talks about tragedy, comedy, and poetry, Mm -hmm. and history. But he differentiates between like kind of history is the recounting of facts in a story. And then poetry, tragedy, and comedy really are about kind of how to move society forward, Mm -hmm. teach society lessons on how to move forward. And so many people have built on this. And one of kind of my heroes is a guy named Walter Fisher, who really is, I would argue, is like the father of narrative theory. And he really says that all forms of human communication need to be seen as stories. So no matter whether you are trying to argue any kind of fact, like whether you're arguing a scientific fact or a philosophical or even a legal fact, it all is grounded in the, in story. And that's because humans interpret facts through their own experience. Yeah. And their experience is based in time, history, culture, the character around them. And so they're viewing all things through their own personal experience. Well, we experience life in a time format, right? Uh Like we don't live outside of time. So there is a beginning to something. There is an end to something. We move through that. And so he would say that basically stories, because that's what we experience, we are Mm -hmm. living a story. The best way to communicate to humans is through story. That's really interesting because if you think about well-known brands in the marketplace today, right? A lot of the ones I engage with. The reason that I engage with them is because I feel like they have communicated a ton of truth, but not by just giving me like a list of facts or a list of data or like ask me to read a white paper, right? They've engaged me and they've captured my attention because they have invited me into a story. And because story is the native tongue of human beings, (laughs) if you will, right? I am captivated by that. And I'm motivated to take action because they have communicated what they're trying to communicate using story instead of fact. I mean, we always say if you come to one of our live workshops, we always say that basically the best products don't always win in the marketplace. Yeah, The products and brands that communicate the clearest are the ones who win, who tell a better story win. It's not always based on you don't just put facts against facts when you're deciding to make brand. We don't buy the cheapest product. We don't buy the most expensive product. We don't often buy the best product. Mm -hmm. We buy the product we can connect with the fastest. And a brand that can communicate why that product should be involved in quote unquote my story is the one that's going to win in the marketplace. Totally. When we say that like there's seven parts to the story brand framework, there are rules to story and Mm -hmm. you have to follow those rules. And those individual buckets, when you say character, problem, guide, plan, call to action, success, failure, there has to be fidelity and coherency in that story. Interesting. Yeah. This is important for the people listening because you know, in marketing today, everyone always says, yeah, it's all about story, right? I yeah. need to tell my story. <laughs> story is kind of like the thing in marketing today. But what a lot of people miss and where a lot of people go wrong is that they just create these stories that they think make sense, but they break all the rules. Yep. You know, creatives that we work with and stuff, they kind of push back against having a framework because they think it will actually limit their creativity. However, What they find once they actually become practitioners of this theory and of this framework is that because they have this foundation, this this structure, it actually allows for much more creativity. Um, It'd be like, you know, 
I mean, we use this example a lot when we explain the framework to people. But uh, if you're a songwriter, which we're surrounded by tons of those in Nashville, Tennessee, right? There are chords that you play on a guitar. And mm -hmm. individually, like if you just played a G chord for 45 seconds or for three and a half minutes, right? That wouldn't be a really interesting song. But you're following the rules. This is a G chord that I'm playing right now. And if I lift my finger off the guitar and try to play it, it's not going to be a G chord. And it's going to sound awful because I've broken the rule of how you create a G chord, right? And then when you string those chords together to make a song, it's maybe G, C, A. I don't know. I'm not a songwriter. <laughs> That's probably a terrible song. Totally. No, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's really, really <laughs> great. But if I break the rules of the chord structure, the song is going to sound terrible. I'm not going to remember it, and it's just going to sound like noise. Yeah. But when I submit those chords or those noises to a set of rules, the output is a really well-constructed song. And it not only is a well-constructed song, but it actually has impact on the listener, right? Totally. So like when you follow like a verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus yeah. model, that has a stronger impact on the listener because right. the, it follows a model and the, and the listener will engage more, they will connect with it more, it's more memorable, right? Yeah, because the totally. song follows a specific set that pretty much all songs follow. Yeah. Well, it's the same thing with story, is when you follow the rules, when you have fidelity and coherency, and there's a few other things that go into this, you achieve what's called narrative transportation. So there's Ooh. a lot of study on what causes narrative transportation. So narrative transportation, you have entered into the story. Yeah. And narrative transportation can really only be achieved when you follow the rules yeah. of a story. And if you break those rules, it breaks the transportation. If the rules go out of order or you're not incorporating the right elements, mm -hmm. then we stop thinking about being in the story and we start thinking about the structure of the story. We start going, wait, wasn't that, here's a really stupid example. Like, I'm sure it's not. You're a <laughs> no, like, you don't say anything stupid. If, I used to live in LA and like if a car chase was happening on one freeway in LA and then the second half of that car chase ends up on another freeway that's very far away from that. I know where those two freeways are yeah. and it stops me from being in the movie because all of a sudden it doesn't reflect real life because I know yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that in five sense. minutes you couldn't have been from that point to that point. It breaks the rule of fidelity, right? Got it's it. like uh, it takes me out of the story. So I stop thinking about the story and I start thinking about, wait, I know where that is. I know where that is. Those things don't make sense. Right. And because they don't make sense, I'm no longer engaged in the story. Narrative transportation doesn't happen. That happens on a very large scale with rules of the mm -hmm. story, of the order of story and everything. And there's actually like these <laughs> two scholars named Green and Brock actually developed a way to measure narrative transportation on a 15-point scale. No way. So like they, the researchers really break this stuff yeah. down and go, Nerds. what are the things that actually engage people in story and what mm -hmm. are the things that break people from engaging? And there's a lot to kind of the different points and what breaks down, but ultimately what they discovered is the higher that you score on that scale, mm -hmm. the more narrative transportation increases, but more importantly, that the story has an increased influence in your life. And so it basically does a couple different things is that you connect with the character right. in the story. When the story follows the rules and you achieve narrative transportation, you connect with the characters. 
it reduces counter arguing. So basically, like if when you connect with characters and you believe in the story, you kind of buy into the story. So totally. you don't sit there and like think about how right. the story is wrong or doesn't fit you. You just go, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. 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 We should treat people nicely. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like if I'm reading Harry Potter and all of a sudden Hermione does something kind for Harry and I'm in the story, I go, oh, that totally makes sense. Instead of like, well, she should never have done that. Right. You know, so it reduces yeah, yeah, yeah. counter arguing. Okay. And then ultimately it connects it more to real life experiences. And so what that means is the stronger the story, the stronger the narrative transportation, the more likely it is to impact the seer or hearer's thoughts and actions. So strong story narrative transportation directly impacts people's thoughts and actions. We know that just like by watching stories, right? Right. Like we can read a good book or see a good movie and we can change our minds about things or we can be more generous or we can be more loving because of it or long for relationships, something like that. But the same has been proven true in branding and marketing. Yeah. That when you follow the rules, when you create a story that has fidelity and coherency and can achieve narrative transportation, you actually connect more with the characters, you reduce counter-arguing, and then you apply it to real-life situations, the three things that narrative transportation helps with. That means brands are more connected to their audience Mm -hmm. and they are more likely to actually purchase and do something. So it affects your thoughts and your actions. So there's a scientific reason why I sometimes watch movies and cry. Yes. It's not just because (laughs) I'm emotional. Okay, people? It's called narrative transportation. It's called narrative transportation. (laughs) Yeah. So it's so funny. The other night I was at dinner with a friend and our server was talking about how he had watched a commercial for like Pacific Life or something. And he's this like big burly guy with a beard and stuff. And he was like, it was so sweet. I started crying. And I'm like, oh my God, that's hilarious. But what that Pacific Life commercial did is offered him a way to really connect with whoever the character was on that 22nd ad, right? It transported him to maybe a time in his life where he had experienced some of the same things that that commercial had shown. You know, it's not just because he's emotional, right? It's literally because the story follows the rules and does so in such an engaging way that it taps into his own experience, right? Or my own experience. So the same reason that I love the songs that I do and I love the movies that I do is probably why I love the brands that I do, right? Well, and it's because of, I mean, when you look at the story brand framework in particular, Mm -hmm. there are some things that were established in the framework that help all these things happen. So fidelity and coherency, there is an order to the story and the story is built on previous plot points. Right. From narrative transportation about identifying with the characters Mm -hmm. in the story and those kind of things, we position the customer as the hero in the story so they can more identify with the marketing when this marketing is actually their story. So we're inviting them into a story. We're not telling a story with our marketing. We're actually inviting customers into a story, which is narrative transportation. Totally. So, and the ways that you, some of the ways that you achieve that even higher is in the story brand framework, obviously the character is the hero. Mm -hmm. So that's your customer. But then in the problem, when they encounter a problem, There are three levels of problem. There's an external problem, an internal problem, and a philosophical problem. So in the external problem is kind of the main problem, the physical problem that, say, a hero faces in a movie. But the internal problem is how that makes them feel. 
So when you see a, you know, we, we use this example, when Liam Neeson's daughter gets kidnapped for the 20th time, Yeah, <laughs> I've never had a daughter be kidnapped, but I know what it's like to care for a family member, feel like you're letting somebody down. Right. That's the internal problem. His mm-hmm. daughter is kidnapped external, but internal, he feels like a bad dad. Yeah. He feels disconnected. He's letting people down. I can connect with the internal problem Mm -hmm. in that story, not the external. It's the same thing in marketing. So when you just speak to the external problem that your customer is facing, I need my lawn fixed, maybe everybody can't fully relate to that. But when you say- Well, it's factual, right? It's factual. It's not a story. It's not a story. Yes. And so then when you bring it into the emotional level and you say, maybe you're embarrassed by your lawn or do you want to be proud of your lawn or are you feeling overwhelmed by your lawn because of all these things? I can now connect with that internal story and I can now connect with that internal problem and I can achieve higher levels of narrative transportation. So it's not just when we say that there's rules to story and all this stuff, I don't go this deep with everybody (laughs) in in our workshop and everything, but it's all grounded in theory and grounded in science and study and research that shows that there are rules and there's there's a reason why we teach the things we teach. It's because it actually will and in the most basic form when you tell a good story people will connect with it because it connects with their real life Mm -hmm. they will achieve narrative transportation and when they achieve narrative transportation their thoughts and their actions will be changed because of that it's so good and by the way this is not at all manipulating people into doing something that they shouldn't be doing at all this is like real authentic connection with people because I mean speaking in marketing terms specifically right if I have a product or service that I genuinely believe will help somebody resolve an issue they're dealing with and experience a more fulfilled life I want them to yes buy it right and I'm not trying to take money from them yeah Um, I'm not trying to get them to do something that they should not be doing I want to invite them into a better way of life and If I'm really confident about that, I have to be committed to communicating in a way that is going to connect with them and move them forward in their journey of transformation and ultimately to success. Yes. And and I would even go even further. It's like, it's your responsibility. Totally. It's not just like, yeah, Yeah. it's like if you have something that will like serve people well, it's your job to communicate it well so that they can get it and their life can be better. And that can be everything from a new pair of shoes that make you feel comfortable or make you feel sexy. Yeah. (laughs) Like that all the way. And you know that about shoes. And I do more than anybody. And so (laughs) it's like that or all the way up to like a drug that will heal me, right? Right. Like, I mean, everything in between, we have a responsibility to communicate clearly. And what you're talking about here is marketing often gets a bad rap. And there's a guy named um, Jonah Sachs who wrote a book called Winning the Story Wars. Mm -hmm. And it talks about the difference between empowerment marketing and inadequacy marketing. Okay. So if you think back to like the Mad Men days, like the 50s and stuff, when marketing and advertising really kind of started after World War II really taking off at a Mm -hmm. new level. Marketing and everything goes way, way back. I can actually even go all the way back to literally language creation when they were creating coins and language and show how people marketed differently. Is that in your dissertation? No. Oh, (laughs) dang it. I know. The history of communication. No, I just had to know the whole history, literally, from language creation always all the way through Twitter. But 
it's been around forever, but yeah. really kind of started moving forward in the 20th century. Mm-hmm. And if you think about Mad Men, where it was kind of like, that was really based in adequacy marketing. It's pointing out your flaws or the things you don't have and basically competing with the Joneses kind of mentality. You, Got Everybody it. else has something you don't have. Right. You're not pretty enough. You're not rich enough. You don't have a big enough house. That's inadequacy marketing. So it's kind of scaring people in a way Little to, bit, to yeah. get them to buy buy what you're trying to sell. Yep. Playing on issues of status and scarcity. Yeah. Well, the new movement, and I think a more, not only more gentle, but a better way of approaching the world is Mm -hmm. called empowerment marketing. And it's really about calling somebody to the better version of themselves. And I don't mean that in that, like they're lacking because they're not pretty or kind of thing, but it's like, Hey, there's an easier way for you to be able to live. And I have a path forward for that. And so it's really to call the consumer to something higher. It's to be something more instead of appealing to fear or like just from a marketing perspective, just simply trying to sell things for the love of money. It's not about that. Right. It's a more gentle approach is called empowerment marketing. And when you tell a story, so Aristotle would argue that when you tell history, Mm -hmm. you're telling the way things were. But when you tell drama and comedy and poetics, you're saying, here's what can be. And there's like, there's a couple different ways he approaches it is basically you can use it as a cautionary tale Mm -hmm. that if your actions don't change, then bad things are going to happen. That could be the failure part of Mm -hmm. the story brand framework. But if your actions do change, there is a life and a way forward that is so much brighter, so much better. Mm -hmm. And that is success at the end of the story. And so this is the part where I essentially studied and did communication for 20 years, right? Like I was, I worked and did public relations and marketing and fundraising for two international nonprofits, like worked in 10 different countries. And then I taught communication at two different universities. Like my master's is in story. My PhD is in communication. So you know a little bit about Well, I thought I did. (laughs) I mean, I did. And I came to the story brand framework and I was like, oh, this is it. Like why I love this. After I did all this. Well, what the heck did you go to school for? I've been asking myself that same question. (laughs) No, but it basically like it's all stuff. Anybody who's done marketing or storytelling for a long time, they know these principles. I mean, these aren't like individually, the principles aren't revolutionary. People who have done this well intuitively know this or even just like factually know this but this puts it all in an order and makes sense of it and when I discovered it I was like oh everybody needs to know this (laughs) because I never saw myself as a salesperson or a marketing person I didn't because I felt like it was transactional there was you're calling people to give you money so that I can be better you know or it's all about that inadequacy stuff exactly and so when I discovered this and where the whole thing is about positioning the customer as the hero Mm -hmm. and the brand as the guide that helps the customer on their journey, it's a much more generous approach and it positions the brand in a place of service. You are serving your customer. You are not trying Mm -hmm. to beat your customer. It's not a I win, you lose mentality. It's a win-win situation where you actually can serve your client and you can love them and call them and empower them to be living a better life. Yeah. And so for just brands in general, 
I would argue that I could go on and on and on about mm-hmm. story. There's so many different like theories that right. fit into all this stuff. Those are the ones that jump out to me. But ultimately, like just say practically, like people who are listening to this, whether you have begun implementing narrative framework in your marketing or not, the study basically showed that narrative marketing works. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like that was the AKA, rest of it. You should do it. The rest of it was like super <laughs> boring because essentially there was all these hypotheses yeah. and they were all just proven. Like it was like, yes, narrative marketing, when you implement it, will increase your profits, increase customers, decrease stress among your staff of creating, save time, save money. All those things like are factual in the study, which was really boring. Like I kept thinking there would be something (laughs) that would show me this might not work if you are nonprofit. Right. Nope. This might not work if you are a small business. Nope. It all works. Yeah. So I would argue that narrative marketing does work and it's been proven kind of through theory and study before I even looked at it at all. Yeah. And so for people who maybe just haven't had the time or space to enter into buying a course or reading the book or something like that, my hope would be that even as everybody is looking at their own marketing, they would say, does the story make sense? Yeah. Does the story I'm telling make sense? And is the story about my customer? Yeah. Starting there, there alone will make a huge difference. Oh, I agree. And then ultimately through that story, calling your customer to be a, the better version of themselves and not out of inadequacy, but out of empowerment. Yeah. That they have ability to live an easier life, a more happy life, mm-hmm. a more satisfied life, and not because they have more things, right? right? Like right, this right, is right. not a, like that you need to have things to be happy. That's totally. not what I'm saying here. Yeah. This yeah. is saying that you're calling them to live their life to the fullest. Yeah. And I think that's one of the greatest gifts that we can give our customers. Absolutely. Gosh, am I getting teary over here? What's happening? <laughs> that's so good, JJ. And you know, a lot of times we work with people who, like you said, are kind of averse to marketing because mm-hmm. it's gotten a bad rap. But when we explain these principles and when we teach them the framework, of course, but um, when we explain these principles of positioning yourself as the guide and talking about how your product can help someone solve a problem, it's almost like we give them this huge sigh of relief because they're like, oh, thank God I don't have to talk about myself. Oh, thank goodness. Like I don't have to be in competition with my customer. So it is a more natural way of talking about what you do anyways. And so I find that when people really understand these principles and utilize them in their communication strategy, everything is just more genuine and more authentic because people don't want to talk about themselves. I mean, some people do, but (laughs) for the most part, when you're trying to sell stuff, people don't want to talk about themselves. They don't want to come off as pushy, right? They don't want to have to spin their wheels trying to come up with a creative way to position their product in a way that cuts down other people, right? The reason they got in business in the first place is because they help people solve a problem, right? And I used to think that like only doctors help people, but that's not actually true. You are in business, likely, because you have something that solves a problem for people. Yeah. That's the only reason that anyone's buying from you anyways, because they have a problem and you have something that helps them solve it. And so when you understand that the story that you're inviting people into is one that really will usher them into this new, better way of living in whatever realm that you do business in, everything just makes more sense Mm -hmm. and it is more genuine and it allows you to have deeper, more intimate connections with your customers because you've positioned them as the hero and you really are helping them solve their problems. Yeah. JJ, thank you so much. This was a behind the curtain, like Wizard of Oz style, deep dive look into your dissertation. And like you said, there's a bunch of theory and principle and all that stuff. But what people really need to remember is 
you know, you don't have to get super technical with it, but if you tell a story where your customer is the hero, yep. if it makes sense, right, yep. and is cohesive and empowers them to be a better version of themselves, yeah. you will connect more with customers and your business will grow. I mean, it's not yeah. all about money, but it's nice. Yes, yeah. I get really excited about this stuff. And I also, I do get teary. Like I get a little <laughs> teary and it sounds, you know, I know it sometimes can come across like, oh, that we're just hyping something up. But when I discovered all this stuff, it really changed the way that I approached everything. Yeah. Um, not just in my business, but in my life. Mm -hmm. And I think I would just you know, say to all of our kind of tribe who's yeah. listening and to those from the story brand, like headquarters and all this stuff, all of us here really buy into the idea that we want to be the kind of people who live to serve our customers, mm -hmm. to play the guide in all situations, mm -hmm. to help them achieve what they're looking for, to overcome their problems and to serve them well. And so I would just kind of say, may we be that tribe. Yes. <laughs> may we be those people who call the best out of each other. May we be the people who serve our clients and serve each other well. And may we cast a vision for a beautiful future where people can live above their problems, not in the midst of them. And I think when we do that, I know that it feels weird to say that in the context of like sales and marketing. Mm -hmm. But I also believe it just makes the world a better place or I wouldn't be doing this. I mean, really, I would not be doing this if it was really just about banking money or any of that. I do this because it clears people's confusion and it helps people not only who are marketers live a better life, but it helps them allow their customers to live a better life as well. That's really beautiful. Dr. J.J. Peterson, thank you so much. couple things. One is if you're sold, if you're saying, look, I need to figure out this framework for my initiative or whatever it is that I'm working on, there are a couple ways that you can do it. One is we just finished launching Business Made Simple University. So two of the courses on Business Made Simple University are about messaging and marketing. So I teach a messaging course and the three of us come together to actually teach the marketing course. Mm -hmm. And the messaging is what do you say? Marketing is how do you say it? You know, what ways do you say it? So here's where to put it on your website, all that kind of stuff. If that's interesting, it's dirt cheap. Just go to businessmadesimple.com and subscribe to Business Made Simple University. It's 275 bucks for you. And then uh, just sign up everybody on your staff. And there's it actually, it's gamified. People are getting hooked on the point system. Have you yeah. heard? Yeah. It's so fun. Because you watch one video and you get like five points. Then yeah. you take the assessment, you got like, you know, eight more. And now everybody's going, uh-oh, I'm points. hooked. I want all the gamify points. everything. <laughs> it just makes it so much more fun. And yeah. it invites a friendly competition among your workplace or your friends. And you can actually tell who's it. taking it. So yeah. if so-and-so <laughs> has, you know, 830 points, you know that they're taking more than your CFO has 250. Yeah. Nothing against CFOs. <laughs> but God knows they're not taking these courses. <laughs> and then we've got the live workshop in Nashville. So mm -hmm. the three of us, are we the only teachers on stage yep. now? Yep. Yeah, the three of us are the only teachers on stage for the Nashville story brand marketing workshop. It's really a messaging workshop, and then we spend half the day on Tuesday doing some marketing stuff. We teach it. And so you can actually leave, you come and you leave with the sound bites that you need to populate all your marketing and your messaging and your elevator pitch. You'll know how to talk about your company. And we have coaches walking around that make sure you're doing it right. Yeah. You can do it in a vacuum, but it's a little bit harder. Yeah. And also, we tend to stretch these things out when we do them at home. Yeah. And you just get totally. it done in 48 hours. Plus, you get to be, you know, right lower Broadway on Nashville. You get yeah. to go down and look at all the <laughs> funny honky tonks. <laughs> we have a workshop coming up in December. December. Mm -hmm. The 8th through the 10th. So you can actually go into January, go into 2020. 
You know, our goal is to do twenty million in twenty twenty because it just has a nice ring to it. <laughs> What's your goal? I mean, it's it's a new decade for crying out loud. Yeah, seriously, let's go crazy. Yeah, and you could do that. A lot of people leave, of course, with their marketing and messaging and all that. But you know, I just talked to a guy who's the mayor of a small town in Tennessee, and he's trying to sell seven community centers to the city council. And he comes up to me after my talk and he said, "While you were sitting there, I realized I'm not selling community centers for kids." I'm selling a preemptive strike against opioid addiction, that these kids have yeah. nothing to do in these small towns, and they're going to get themselves into trouble. Yeah. And he said, I want to thank you because I know for a fact those seven community centers and rec centers for kids are going to get through. Amazing. Oh, that's so I know. Isn't amazing. that cool? And so, you know, whatever it is that you care about and the initiative that you're pushing, come see us, and we'll help you figure out how to message it so that it actually happens. Well, it's been another great episode of the Building a Story Brand podcast. Music from this episode is by Andrew Bell. You can listen to Andrew's music on Spotify or on Apple Music. Thanks so much for listening to the Building a Story Brand podcast, where we believe if you confuse, you'll lose. Noise is the enemy, and creating a clear message is the best way to grow your business.